Metal Speak interview with John Schaefer. John, nice to meet you. Too. Um, a typical question, how's the tour going? Great, man. Great. It's, it's a, our uh, website traffic has quadrupled uh, weekly since we started playing with Volbeat. And, um, you know, it's, it's, there's so much, so many people have no clue about the band and they're walking away, just blown away. So it's, a, it's really cool. I was just going to say, any idea why Volbeat contacted you guys? Um, well, yeah, because Michael and I are really good friends. Oh, so that was, and he, you know, he grew up with Ice Earth, and and we finally got to meet each other a couple years ago, and we hit it off amazingly well, and and just bonded, you know, instantly, and stayed in contact really often, and uh, um, you know, when they uh, they announced that they were doing a tour. Uh, the last one I think they did was Gigantor. No, I think they did another like a two or three week run before this one. And uh, you know, he invited us out and I said, Hell yeah, I'd love to do it. So right on, man. So yeah, when I first saw the lineup I was like, Okay, okay, then I saw I started, I was like, Well that's awesome. I don't see him fitting in, but I'm glad like I'm glad it's working out for you guys because I love when bands throw eclectic mixups like that and it's but you know it actually fun shows. It man. actually does fit in. Uh, the thing is a lot of the metal fans in the I think in the States don't really understand it. Bull Beat's got a lot of metal in oh, their music. Absolutely. You know? It's a uh, yeah, it's different because they have a very wide uh, which I think is amazing what Michael's created. I mean, from the Elvis and Johnny Cash influence to Michael Ness to the you know, the the uh, the Iced Earth influence, the Metallica influence, the, you know, all of the, the Slayer, you know, the, the whole, he's made it, created something very special and unique that I think is going to appeal to a, I don't see, you know, a band out there that can appeal to, that's in our genre of music, that can appeal to the wide range of audience like, like ACDC possibly does, and I think Volbeat could reach that someday if they stay on this path, and that's, that's huge, man. That is huge. But I mean, I've seen it, I've witnessed it, I've witnessed you know, my seven-year-old daughter loves full beat, and my mom thinks they're cool because she'll hear a song like $16 and makes her think of the 50s, you know, and she just gets a big smile on her face, and it's, you know, that's pretty cool. So being friends, it sounds like you guys have been friends for a while. Do you guys share influences? Do you ever go, <clears throat> oh, yeah, I totally wrote a song using this, and oh, yeah, I did that when I wrote this song? Or is um, When we share it, we listen to each, we get we drink whiskey and listen to each other's music, you know, I mean, like what he grew up listening to, what I grew up listening to, we've done that before, but um, there's going to come a day when Michael and I will be writing together for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that we've been talking about a project for a while and I think, you know, it's right now he's he's totally focused on his new record and, uh, you know, but it's, it's definitely going to happen, there's no doubt. There's so much chemistry between us, it's pretty unbelievable. Really. I can definitely think of some, some people that I know that would love that, so... That would be awesome if that, when it does happen, I should say. Yeah. Um, so, I've been a Nice Earth fan for a long time, and a lot of my buddies have too. So I kind of sat down with them and said, hey, it's looking like I'm going to get to interview them. What do you guys want me to ask? And so I kind of pulled some of their ideas. Um, first thing they wanted to know is, we're all huge into Eternity fans too. So when it was announced that Stu was coming over, we were like, awesome, loved it. Why did you guys look at Stewart? Did he contact you, or how did that happen? No, we contacted him. <clears throat> um, he, it was uh, we were looking at before I even had Stu became on my radar. I was looking at three different guys, and then as I was talking to the CEO from Century Media, he told me, you know, man, you ought to take a look at Stu too, Just, you know, because they were on Century Media. He said he's he's a really incredible singer, and you never know, you might want to take a look at him. So we, we actually, I said okay, and he sat down and played uh, some of their, a couple of their videos from YouTube, and though it was very different, 
I, what I really loved was the uh, the look and the passion in Stu's eyes. You know, I mean, I could see that he's like intense, and uh, and you can tell he's he's driven just by the his presence. <clears throat> and also, and this is one of the first things I asked him when when I uh, called him was if he was the one who was writing the vocal melodies. And uh, and though I know that uh, Tim Roth wrote some of those, so did Stu. And he said, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of that. And I said, that's cool because that's there's some big hooks in, into eternity. And um, so, you know, but it was very different from what was required in Iced Earth. But if you see somebody that has that kind of a range, then you see potential. You know, me as a, as a songwriter and producer guy, I can see that, well, if he's open and he's easy to work with, we can, we can pull a lot out of him. And, uh, and he, you know, he came out for rehearsal or for a, an audition, and it just it was perfect. So outstanding, yeah, very, very. So because you guys, obviously Matt, who I'm a huge fan of, mm-hmm. you had Ripper, and now Stu. Every album has still sounded like an Ice Earth album. It's not been like, oh, it sounds like Ice Earth, but it's yeah, it's Ice Earth, different singer, but it still flows well. Did you guys notice in either the songwriting, recording, anything where you would you would say, well, let's try this instead of this, or did everything just kind of flow? No, it's it's been the same, <clears throat> been the same formula always, you know, since the very beginning, and um, you know, I mean, Stu's the fifth singer, but he's he's uh, and he's been in the shortest amount of time, I guess, because it's just over a year, well, it's a year and a few months now. But you know, if you look at what we've accomplished together, it's amazing, and it's, and the fact that he contributed so much on the album, you know good quality stuff that, uh, that it's you know it's a great it's a great partnership that we have we have a lot of fun uh, in in the writing process in the demo process the recording process you know on the road we sometimes we have too much fun <laughs> get ourselves into trouble but no it, such thing man. yeah no it's, it's a it's a really it's a great thing man we're you know we're 120 shows into the world tour since November 1st which is a lot of work and uh you know, we're we're still having a blast every night. So I guess you didn't realize it's been that long. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, July, man. <laughs> yeah, you look at the dates, man. We've we've uh, covered some. We've covered a gigantic chunk of the world, and we're not stopping anytime soon. Have you noticed any new fans coming on with Stu? And I don't want to make this whole interview about Stu, but I just it's a big deal. Huge fan of him, so I really wanted to get stuff in on him. Have you noticed newer fans coming over that maybe didn't know who you were until he came over? I don't know. Eternity was a really pretty small band. I'm yeah. sure there are some. I'm sure, but I haven't really noticed that. You know, okay. I mean, I haven't. I haven't. I mean, I've heard. Uh, I've met some Stu's friends that that he that kind of followed into Eternity around on the on the road and stuff. And I'm sure there are some, but I I don't really you know I don't really know. They they weren't a band that sold a lot of records, though they did have a dedicated yeah. base. So. How do you, you know, I mean, how do you gauge that? I have, I have no idea. I got you. And good point. Yeah, Iceberg was bigger, is bigger. Following the maturity, so. been around for a very <laughs> yeah. long time, and you know, and yeah. Okay, well that brings me to my next question. Then, um, I'm a huge patriot, and that's one of the things that really turned me on about you guys is listening, because not sounding like a jerk, but like lyrically, I don't really pay attention that much. It's got a cool beat, and there are certain lyricists that I'll really pay attention to, but we were on Metal Speak, we did this uh, blasphemy episode, and said, what is some of the most blasphemous stuff? And we're like, we don't, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really pay attention to much to the lyrics, but you guys are one of the ones that I've always paid attention to, because you tell stories, and you tell, you know, I mean, it's it's really cool to hear why, I mean, let me read, not why, are you guys noticing that you're one of the few bands that actually does that on American history? Because, like, overseas, there's tons of bands that tell history. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, I really, you know, as I've touched on it a little bit in the past. The Glorious Burden was not really about just American history. It was about world history. It had military history specifically, and, and there was a few songs on there with uh, European history as well. But, um, I mean, it's a passion of mine, you know. It's not really a passion of anybody else's on the bus. It's okay. not. It's a. It's definitely something that I've been into since I was a kid. And, uh, and you know, the Sons of Liberty thing is a different it's not really it's a it's probably the more real history yeah you know what leads to the wars what you know the, the finance oligarchs and their their schemes and the, the fraudulent monetary system and all that and the wall street banksters that's what sons of liberty is about it's not about left or right even though people try to paint it that way it doesn't have anything to do with it it has to do with uh with this you know the constitution it has to do with uh, and that's what i love is that it is about something like that. yeah you know and, and i think it's having quite an effect actually i mean it definitely is the soundtrack for the revolution there's no doubt and we put some of that into the uh into the uh iced earth the new dystopia album hey girl well since we're on dystopia what were some of your obviously the v for vendetta all that stuff what were some of your major influences on that um hey no worries <laughs> no worries <laughs> um well, it's it's basically, you know, I, I can't really fail my feelings. Otherwise, the music and the songs aren't going to be real. And being the principal songwriter, I've got to always stay in touch with that. So whatever is kind of happening in, in my personal life and what I'm going through, I need to somehow find a way to, to direct that. That's got to be what the band's, what we're going for is a theme or whatever. Sometimes it's veiled in horror movies or in military history or a Spawn comic story or my own stories or whatever, but this album is also similar to Sons of Liberty, but in a more veiled way. It's just uh, taking from literature and movies the influences to, to deliver a very similar message. And uh, so, I mean, you know, you got there's a song about Soylent Green and, and uh, Equilibrium. These are movies. Um, yep. I love Equilibrium. I'm glad you guys did that. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool movie. And it was, it's a cool song. Maybe someday we'll play it live. Um, oh, you don't? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, not yet. But man, there's, yeah, I guess, there's yeah. ten albums, you know? Well, I guess mean, it's, it's like really hard to put a, uh, it's hard to put a set list together. <laughs> well, I, that's going to lead into another one of my questions. Um, how do you guys, because like when you see like some of the bigger bands, bands like Iron Maiden, Metallica, them, I mean, you just look at what they have and you're like, I, I would lose my mind trying to pick out a set list. So I would pick what I like to play, I guess is kind of the way I took it. So how do you approach it when you have 10 albums of... Well, we do both, but I think we like to play the songs the fans love too. Um, but you know, it's it's just, we try to, now that the band's really working and acting like a band should, you know, I mean, it's the last decade we haven't. And uh, I think, you know, we're, we're actually bringing more songs in and we're, we're really working harder than we ever have. You know, we're more focused and more like, Things are the, the machine is moving. You know, it's not just about it's not just about me and the guys in the band. Yeah. We got a killer crew. We've got a good management team. We've got the the elements that are that are really important around us are, you know, it, it makes a big difference in the operation of how a band works. So, uh, you know, I mean, the, the songs are we're rotating now. I mean, we've got about 33 or 34 songs that we can play. Um, if we go, like on the Volby tour, we're doing 40 minutes. So if we go a few weeks without playing any, how well we can play them, I don't know. But we've, we've run through them. And our new bass player, Luke, you know, he had a very short amount of time to uh, 
to be able to learn that many songs. And he, he I could tell he totally committed himself because he came to rehearsal in Indiana ready to go and uh, and knew all of it. So it was very cool. Now, where did you find him at? Because I, they opened for us in uh, Europe on the last tour. His old band, Pure UK, did. And they were great, great. You can't ask for a better opening band. I mean, their attitude, they, they never, you know, they just did their job. They're road warriors, you know, and they moved, they were total support band. So they were moving their own gear, driving around the camper. And, and I just, you know, it's, I, I was watching Luke play and I was blown away by his, his bass playing on the tour. I just, I could, his, you know, he's a young guy, but to see him playing in a tree, a power trio and playing like a grown man, like bass lines like a grown man would play, you know, and that's, that's actually a rare thing, believe it or not. And I look for that kind of stuff. You know, when I'm watching musicians, and you know, uh, I'm pretty anal about details and about how instruments are arranged and what what the parts are, and, you know, what a bass guitar should do with the drum with drums and that kind of stuff. And I mean, I've you know been doing this a long time, so I was very impressed with his his skills. And uh, when Freddie announced that he wanted to leave the band, I was like, I'm going to call Luke. So you know, we had we had it fixed within five hours. And it was, it was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. So, and uh, we just made him an official member yesterday. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because I totally was like, came in, had Fred on the mind, and then someone said, no, that's not what's going on here. So I'm like, well, <laughs> hopefully I don't embarrass myself. Yeah. Um, all right, well, uh, on to the uh, music questions then. When you guys write, like, we, we had a whiteboard, and we'd write up a part, and we'd call it some stupid name, and go, okay, we'll put that part there and put that part there, and then we would write the songs, and then we'd record them. Do you guys find you write them record, write while recording, do both, two people write, and well, it follows? I mean, I mean, most of the stuff has been me by myself in the studio, because we live all over the world. Yeah. We're not in the same town, which makes it difficult to do that kind of stuff and just to get together for a jam. Um, when... So I, I would be, you know, working on parts, and, if, and the guys would submit like riff tapes and stuff, and I would listen to them. If there were parts that I thought were going to, you know, add to the to the music, then you know I would arrange them and uh, play them and program drums, and we did we did we always do very complex demos, and then we based that off of, I mean, the, the album off of that. So that's how it works. When on the last album, Stu actually stayed with. I mean, I, I did a lot of the, the, almost all the musical arrangements by myself. But um, when Stu came, we focused on on his uh, lyrics and vocal melodies, and some of my lyrics and vocal melodies, and uh, and that was that's what was cool having him here there for that do that whole process together was uh, was really cool. Because normally I do it by myself. Did you find you liked it more or less? It was just kind of new having someone else more with you, you know what I mean? No, I liked it. I did yeah. like it because it, you know, I mean, I was also writing the Sons of Liberty EP at the same time, so I had a, I had about 22 or 23 songs that I was working on, and I was a little bit overwhelmed. So it was really great to have Stu there, and and, uh, and he came up with good ideas. That's the most important thing, you know. He'd be over, you know, on one side of the room with his headphones on, working on lyrics or melodies or whatever for a piece of music that I'd arranged and copied for him and I'd be, you know, in front of my computer working on my parts or whatever and my, uh, whether it was one of my lyrics and vocal melodies or whatever and we both, and then we just get together and track it and it works. It's a, it's a really good way to work. That's cool, man. That's yeah. I always love to ask that because everyone's got different ways of doing stuff so it's always fun to hear, you know. Yeah. So, um, all right, now, uh, one of the guys that started Metal Speak, his name's John, he um, he was asking this question for a while. He's a huge Harry Potter nerd. He would ask everyone that he interviewed, do you like Harry Potter? And he always got 
No, I've seen the movies, this, that, the other. So you got to broaden the question. So I was going to ask you guys this, and I've asked a couple other bands this too. Um, what is your biggest nerd thing that you do? Because I'm a Batman fan to the core. That's uh, what I geek out on. So. I'm into Batman too, big time. But I mean, I, I don't really have any of that kind of stuff anymore because I'm just too busy, man. I mean, okay. I still... I still love it, you know what I mean, and I like I got to see the Avengers, and I thought that was badass. So I'm in, I'm into the comic stuff, but I don't really have time to follow what's going on. I'm, if I'm lucky enough to be out on tour and we have a day off or an afternoon free where I can go check out, I've missed a lot of cool movies because you know we're gonna have to wait for them on DVD because we just I don't have time for it. But um, yeah, I mean I like the comic thing. Uh, my my passion that is outside of music is always studying like current events and, and what's going on and uh, the, the criminal shit that our government's up to so I can stay prepared and keep <clears throat> because I mean I you know I'm bound and determined to, to see that our band survives through what is probably going to be the worst economic collapse in human, human history and it's coming it's not too far away okay well, we'll sort of stay with that right now because um, me and you could talk all freaking day about that <laughs> um, do you notice when you play now in America versus when you used to play are there any major differences as far as what you guys are allowed to get away with, quote-unquote? Um, you're seeing restrictions on, uh, yeah, you used to be able to do that, you can't do that anymore. Um, maybe the crowd's changing, things of that nature. Um, no, nah, I can't really see see that from a, like, I've never yet been told artistically that we can't do something. Okay, well, that, that, that's what I was going to a venue telling you no. <laughs> so. No, I mean, that's been a long time ago since the old days in Tampa when we were blowing shit up and we got in trouble from some of the local club owners. But, you know, that's for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, as far as anything related to the tyranny of the American government, that's, you know, there's been issues, but nothing related to the music. I got it. Okay, that's yeah. Well, that's good to know. Um, hold on, i got to look one thing up here real quick. My printer crapped out on me this morning, so as I was like getting ready to get everything ready, I decided not to print. What's one of your favorite things to do while you're on tour? When I mean, like a lot of guys, like I hear a lot of guys write. That's what they love to do when they're on tour is write for the next album. Yeah, what, not me. Not you. No, no, no. What the, it's the worst, probably the worst environment for me because I'm. I mean, okay, coming up with riffs, that's one thing. Yeah, actually writing and song arrangements and that kind of stuff, it's, this is not the environment for me. I, there's too many distractions. There's always people around and there's always like a, you know, it's the, going out on tour and playing live has nothing to do with songwriting. It really, not not from my perspective. I mean, maybe for some guys it is, probably is. But for me, I, I get into a bubble when I'm songwriting. And I want to be left the fuck alone. I don't want to be disturbed. I want to be focused. I don't want to have to deal with interviews and, you know, and, and I mean, it's yeah, part, I, of, part of the job. job what you mean, yeah. you know, the, the, I don't want to have to play live. It's, it's a completely different part of the business that doesn't have anything to do with the real creative side of it. And it takes a lot of focus. And, uh, you know, I mean, Michael's the same way. He, he does riff and stuff on tour, but like his... Uh, we're very similar, very, and uh, we've had a lot of talks about this. And you know, he he gets into a bubble too, and to the point where you're sometimes your family doesn't even know who you are because you get so focused and and you you know your mind is so occupied with what's happening, and that's uh, so it's a different thing. I mean, it's completely different. This is this is like a rolling frat house, you know, and uh, that that's a different thing. So what do you do? I constantly hear about burnout. Bands are like, you know, I. You love metal, but you hear 
you know, four solid weeks of it, and you're just like, I can't take this anymore. So what do you do to sort of like release, or is that your release where it's like, yeah? No, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Man. I mean, it, you know, I probably haven't enjoyed watching a band as much uh, ever on tour. I watch Bullbeat every night because I love the band. They're one of my all-time favorites. And, uh, probably in the top five, which people go, really? I'm like, yeah, dude. I mean, it just I haven't been excited about a band since I was a kid. And there's something in their music that really stirs me, so it's awesome. Um, but, so I haven't, I don't, and I don't get sick of, of Iced Earth playing. I mean, we get tired, you know, but, uh, but that doesn't mean we're sick of playing. It's just, you know, we're out here busting our asses and you don't, you don't get much rest on tour and it's, you know, it's not, it's not for the squeamish, let's put it that way. A lot of people can't handle it, especially when you tour at the, at the amount that we have been and uh, and at the level that we are. I think even if you're Metallica and Iron Maiden, it's still going to wear your ass out and you're doing this kind of touring. But when you're in a mid-level band and you don't have the big budgets and all the luxuries, then, it, you know, it's just just getting a shower every day is like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> because it's, I mean, when we're headlining, we, you know, things are a, a little bit better because we have more finance to do that, but it's, Still, man, it's mid-level. It's a mid-level band. It's not, uh, you know, it's not the Rolling Stones. I understand. But I think even the Rolling Stones, you know, they do everything they can to make the guys comfortable and feel at home because it's very demanding doing this. Have you ever been on a tour where you're doing a support act with a band that was headlining that was just awful? You guys, you don't have to give me the name, but they were just, you know, no, we're the we top dogs, and you guys, we haven't actually. We, have, we, but we've only supported four bands in the history of Ice Earth, so. You know, in 27 years, that's not a lot of bands to support. Not because we didn't want to, but just because the opportunities weren't there. We did Blind Guardian in the very beginning. We opened for them. They were great to us. We've become like brothers and always will be for the rest of our lives. And uh, we've got, uh, um, we did like eight or ten shows with Megadeth back in 2000. It was at the very end of 2001 or early 2002. Right before uh, Dave broke it up the first time, and it was, oh, it was oh, like the B yeah. leg of the tour. It was yeah. like things weren't going too well for him at that time, and just having problems with his hand and whatever. And, but he was still good to us, you know. Um, uh, Heaven and Hell in the UK, we opened for that was uh, that was an absolute honor. They were great to us, and Volbeat has been amazing. I mean, they're like family. You know, it's, it's really good. All three bands, you know. I mean, Hell Yeah, unfortunately, isn't here tonight. They had problems with their bus. And, so they had to cancel the gig, but uh, but they're great guys too, and, and and all all three bands' crews are getting along, and you know it's, it's a good good chemistry on this tour. It's very diverse, and it's really cool because a lot of fans, you know, from different backgrounds coming, and they seem to be getting along good, you know, and enjoying each other's music. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know when you're ready to cut it off, okay? Because I'll keep talking. So when you uh, gotta go. Yeah. I mean, four ten. There's a. We got a little bit of time because I have a video interview here. But oh, all right, all right. Well, last question then. I can edit that out. Um, any music that you listen, to, you can call it a guilty pleasure, whatever. That's non-metal that you just love. That you, you know, love to crank up and. Um, I love the Highwaymen. I love yeah. uh, Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson and. Uh, I was born and raised on Waylon Jennings. Waylon so Jennings, Waylon Jennings is awesome, man. <laughs> the voice is cool as hell. You know, it's. Um, I, I like that kind of stuff. I, I like a lot of different music. I just am not really into rap at all, and I'm not into uh, techno, and, and uh, I'm really not into death metal. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it doesn't do anything for me. I mean, I can appreciate a lot of the musicianship, but I just if if there's no real singing going on, I'm not interested in it. I mean, it just doesn't it just doesn't do anything for me. So. Yeah.
this job's bad, man. <laughs> but that's, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, uh, I always have been. And I came from Florida, you know, where all that shit was born. So, you know, I've been, it just doesn't, you know, I mean, Chuck, okay, that was something else, you know, because the music was so killer. And, and even Chuck didn't really dig his own voice, you know. He he was always a, a metal head at heart, you know, like with real singing. He just it wasn't, he didn't even do it, you know. Yeah. So that's why I started Control Denied and then everything. You, you know, he was a great guy and a great musician, so. But, you know, not my thing. So. That's cool. So. All right.